a star somewhere. My brothers and my sisters feeling low For the orphan longing desperately for home For the broken ones who don't know where to go In Jesus' name, there is hope for the mothers in the fathers on their knees For the sons and daughters trapped in slavery For the anxious heart that's fighting for some peace In Jesus' name, you are free In Jesus' name, I To know they love through sacrifice For the church to leave the room and testify For the streets to flow with justice changing lives In Jesus' name
to keep me going been walking for a while mile after mile my soul's a little weary but you keep me going keep me going he said he'd be
Are we starting a little late? People are still.
Good evening, church. It's Ash Wednesday, beginning of the Lenten season. This 40 days from now and up through Easter, this season of reflection and thinking and contemplating, who, who am I before God? Well, for me, I'm a fallen and broken image bearer. I'm a sinful man before God. And this is a season to think about that and also to think about I'm also before God as one forgiven because that's what Jesus accomplished at Calvary for me. And so this is a, this is a reflective service. This is, it's different a little bit than Sunday morning when we gather. So I would just invite you just to, you know, make yourself available to the movement of the Spirit. Let God speak to you in the sanctuary tonight. One quick announcement is um, we're not going to be passing joy baskets through, through the sanctuary this evening. There'll be an opportunity for dropping off tithes and offerings at the back exits to leave it. It's traditional at a service like this to begin with some very ancient words, but meaningful words that welcome us in to the fellowship of God's people. And so I would say it like this, that it is my pleasure to greet you this evening in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Here's a brief explanation of Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday sends us out into the wilderness in a state of humility. The Israelites were humbled by 40 years of wandering in the desert. Jesus confronts his temptations after fasting for 40 days and then taken into the wilderness. The prophets often reminded the Israelites that in forgetting the wilderness experience in which they relied on the daily manna provided by Yahweh, they drifted from the way and the covenant of the Lord. Likewise, our 40-day Lenten quest is serious. It is somber. We must deal with our fears, our uncertainties of life. It is in hiding from fear and uncertainty that we attempt to make ourselves gods by assuring ourselves that we are powerful enough and have all the answers to life. Oh, how foolish. Oh, how deadly. Instead, we are to humble, humbly come before God, broken, fragile, seeking from God himself what only he can provide, forgiveness of sins and life with him forever. As we will hear in the first reading for today, the prophet Joel calls on the people of God to declare a time to return to God by recalling the covenant, the relationship we have with him. He will be our God and we will be his people. We are also called to rededicate ourselves to him and to live in that relationship. And now we will do together a responsive reading from Psalm 51. It will be verses 1 through 13. I will read first. You will read responsively. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. 
Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. This is the word of the Lord. Turning back, no turning back. The 
Our first reading this evening comes from the Old Testament prophet Joel, chapter 2, verses 12 to 19. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain and wine and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. This is the word of the Lord. If you would please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading this evening is Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated.
Heavenly Father, we, we slow down our life right now to come here tonight to be reminded that you hear us right now. You hear our cry, our plea. You know our tears. You know what we need. And in such a beautiful and profound way, you meet every single need according to the glorious riches found in your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Be with us now as we reflect on the cross and on all that you have done through the sacrifice of your Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to draw your attention to what is known, at least with some musicians, as the saddest instrument of them all. Listen. The cello. There's something about the tone, the resonance, that stirs the soul. And as I take you on a journey as I really want you to be focusing on the cross and all that place 2,000 years ago. It is a sad story. But we have hope that keeps us moving forward. The cross. Simple cross. For some people, many people actually, it is a symbol. Maybe it's a piece of jewelry. Maybe it's artwork that's up on a wall or on a shelf. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who have received the gracious gift of faith to believe in this Jesus as the Son of God, who came to take care of our sin. The cross is much more than just a symbol. In fact, the, this next picture, it's hard to see. It's hard to look at. Sometimes when I look at this image or similar ones, I want to look away from it. Why? You could say it's because of the the blood, the scars. I think there's something more to why we want to look away from it. When we consider the sacrifice that Christ made, when we understand the story that has been written from the very beginning of time, Ash Wednesday brings to mind two very important Truths. Ash Wednesday, we have come to consider the magnitude of our sin. Not of Jesus, because the scripture is very clear. He committed no sin. And yet he took upon himself the sins of the world. We cannot fathom the magnitude of sin. We get a glimpse, maybe you, you watch something on TV and you look at it and you go, oh, 
Maybe we even look in our own life and we see the magnitude of sin with other people that are close to us. But then when we get courageous and we look in that mirror and we let God's word remind us that, yes, it's the pile of sin that's in my life. So that's what this Lenten journey is about. It is contemplating the magnitude of sin. But I'm going to tell you at least once, maybe more than once today, and then throughout the Lenten journey. The magnitude of God's mercy is greater than any and all sin. And I believe that the enemy would like you to believe that that is not true. That we live in a helpless, hopeless world. That the sin is so big and so striking. How can one person do something about this. The Lenten journey. During this Lenten season and throughout your life, please consider to hold on to for dear life. What? His cross. And I know it's hard for us finite creatures to understand this, but before the world even was created, God had the cross in mind for his son. Did you know that? Before he said, let there be, and he created all this beautiful stuff in this world, he already knew the direction of humanity. He understood the magnitude of sin, and he knew that somebody had to die to pay for sin. So the cross was formed in fashion, and it was planned. Please consider to hold on to, for dear life, his last breath. And perhaps you've done what I've done, and I've read physicians and their description of the crucifixion itself and the asphyxiation that happens when you're hanging on a cross like that, and how hard it is to breathe. And on Good Friday, in about 40 days from now, we're going to have that picture in our mind, and we're going to just see him hang there and just gasping for breath. Why? For you. He took his last breath for you, for me so that we can have life, so that we can have hope. Even, even in spite of our sin, he steps into our world and says, I can do something about your world. And to please consider to hold on to, for dear life, his last words, while upon the cross. I've heard it said that these were seven last thoughts that he had. And we have them in the Gospels. And we could put them all together, but I just want to focus for a moment tonight in light of our journey, these words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now remember this Jesus, son of man, dying, God, with infinite power. 
And yes, as he was saying these words, there were the followers, those disciples that were nearby. There were those that were taunting Jesus. There were the guards. There, there were all these kind of people that were around the foot of the cross. But understand, Jesus' vision goes, well, backwards in time, but also forwards. He knows the brokenness. He knows your sin and my sin. So those words were pointedly said for Jim Thielen. Father, forgive Jim Thielen, for he doesn't know what he does, what he's doing. And for me, it looks backward, right? When we think about Adam and Eve, he's thinking of that. They didn't know what they were doing, kind of. They were deceived, and they fell into sin. It helps us reflect back to the first gospel promise. Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your, you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. The first gospel promise where God is saying to Satan, I'm going to crush you. I'm going to defeat you. You will not win. It reflects back onto all the voices of the prophets and the kings as they point to God's saving activity from Genesis all the way to Malachi. The prophets and the kings were pointing to what God is going to do and to the faithfulness of God. It reflects back on that silent night about 2,000 years ago in a stable at Bethlehem where this little baby was born for a specific purpose, which was to seek and to save the lost, the broken, the marginalized, the fragile, the sinful. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Words for those of the past, present, and future. Words that are hard to hear, but are true, and yet also so sweet to hear Jesus saying those words. Why are they so sweet? I mean, if we do pause and consider what the scripture says about your condition and my condition, then it becomes sweet. If we ignore it, it's like just another life that's been given. Scripture says, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. That is sad. That is somber. That sounds hopeless. And as we think about the history of the world and we look at the attempts of humanity to try to deal with sin, with this brokenness, what have we done? We've tried to ignore it, excuse it, be sorry for it, regret it, weep over it, try to do some activities that maybe we think God will look at and go, wow, that's really good, I'll take away some of the sin. It's not how it works. No matter how hard we try, we cannot forgive it. We can't satisfy God's anger towards sin. Paul says it this way in Romans 7. 
So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Who? The one person that was willing to go on a cross for other people. The one person that said, I'll do this. And it was on his heart before time began. And so when we look at the cross, it is God's reminder of who can forgive our sin. When we look at the cross, it's God's reminder of how much he loves us. The cross is God's reminder of his mercy. Right? The difference between grace and mercy. Grace is getting things we don't deserve, and mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And it's very clear in the scriptures, we deserve death. But in that same section where Paul is talking about the war that's waging within us and what wretched people we are, he ends the section with what I want to put before you. I want you to have this image connected to the cross and don't separate them. Because this will allow you to make it through Lent. Because as you contemplate your sin, as you contemplate your need, these words from Romans 7, 25, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you read this out loud together with me one more time? Because this is the truth, folks. This is what will set you free. This is what will give you power and might. This will move you from today to tomorrow and to the next day. This is the good news for you. Take it personally, please, together. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So now what we're going to do is uh, we're going to recite the second article to the creed. Now, if you remember, the creed is, right, Trinitarian, talks about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The second article of the creed kind of lasers in and locks in on the second person of the Trinity, this Jesus who took the cross for you and for me. And so we're going to share those words out loud, and then we're going to share the explanation, because I think Martin Luther summarizes this, this second article so well. So if you would, join with me as we share the second article with explanation. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. What does this mean? 
I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. Beautiful summary of this Jesus that we've come to worship today. And as we continue our service, we're going to now do the imposition of ashes. It is an ancient tradition of the church. Ashes, historically, they were made from the palm branches from the year before. And so we see the celebratory part of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, right? But here on this day, we remember his sacrifice for you and for me. And we're going to have four stations, so feel free as the Spirit moves you to come forward, and um, we will place the sign of the cross with these ashes. And you're going to hear maybe a couple different things. Um, traditionally, it is from dust you came, and to dust you will return. And I was at uh, Emmanuel Lutheran this morning, and the pastor that did chapel telling the kids Ultimately, you know what that says? You're going to die. Very sobering. Because of sin, that is, that is what happens. Sometimes I am so moved by this moment, I'll just say I want you to be assured that because of Jesus, your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you may hear both. You may hear one or the other. But may the sign of the cross that will be put upon your forehead be a stark reminder, not just for you, but for all people, that you believe in this Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. We continue now with the imposition of ashes.
before we come to the Lord's table and receive the true body and the true blood of Jesus. And to remember again that cross that was just placed on your forehead. This is where he willingly went to Golgotha's hill to that cross so that his heavenly father could lay on him the burden of sin of all the world, past, present, and future. And what we're about to partake in is the forgiveness that comes through his sacrifice. But before we do that, let's confess together our sins, and then we will come to the table. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Just deserve. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. It is my privilege to announce to you that based upon that confession, if that is what is in your heart this evening, please know that God has removed your sin from you. He's put it as far as the east is from the west. He's cast it aside. He remembers it no more. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner also after supper he took the cup. And after giving thanks he gave it to them saying, Drink of it all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen.
May this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you and preserve you and keep you steadfast in the one true faith, depart in his peace and in his great love. Amen. We'll close with a prayer and then corporately we will end with the Lord's Prayer. That will end our service tonight. So bow your heads and pray along with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for this gathering of your people tonight. Thank you for the beauty of this remembrance 
that we, this is something we do in the church. It, it calls us. Oh, it calls us as a community of faith to just remember the magnitude of our sin and the greater magnitude of what Christ has done for us. And as we end our service tonight, Jesus, we end it with the prayer that you gave us so very, very long ago. We pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.